Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. Happy Leap Day. If you celebrate Leap Day, it is today. We're going to leap into this webinar in a minute. Um, Have you calculated your leap age? Like if you were born on Leap Day, how old you would be today? If you only had, you know, it's every four years, divide your age by four. Is that a thing? I don't do math. Listen, not today. Okay. And no public math. Let's leap in and not do public math. Um, today, we are welcoming you into the daily show with Sell Better. We do one of these every single day. If you scan the QR code on your screen or go to sellbetter.xyz, you can check out all of our upcoming episodes. Also, all of our shows are available in a podcast form. You can check out The Daily Sales Show on Spotify, Apple Music, your favorite podcast delivery service. But today we are leaping into how to be confidently persistent without pushing, scaring, terrifying your prospects away. I have quite literally two people that I turn to for my own questions on this subject. Megan Holsinger, Tom Alamo, welcome in. Thank you so, so much for being here. Oh, they like, oh, all the double hands. We got raised yeah. through. We got the double wave. We got a dance move. You love to see it. I wanted to quickly see who's in the room. Maria, can you help me out with that? See who's in the room as we're going through the agenda today. Uh, we are going to start off talking about five things a good check-in email needs to include. You know, just just bringing them back to the table. The second thing we're going to go through is how to hold prospects accountable without seeming rude. Um, I think that everyone has their own little definition of spicy. We're going to get into that. And then how to be everywhere, kind of a multi-channel approach, multi-touch approach, see what we're doing. If you haven't already taken that poll, we would love to see who's in the room. But I want to start us off just by kind of setting the scene. Um, Before we jump into this persistence, I think that we should talk about where we are in the deal cycle and um, uh, the definition of ghosting. And I think that gets mixed up a little bit. Meg, I know you feel passionate about this. Give us your give us your thoughts. Where are we in the sales cycle? Set the stage. I shall set the stage for you. Uh, so here's the thing. Everyone. So when, when you think of a prospect and and when you think of people that you're engaging with, you have to, in, in order to actually be confidently persistent, to be able to show up to the table with confidence that is is due to you, uh, you have to have established a connection with the prospect. So what we're not going to talk about is cold outreach where you have just been sending like cold emails or cold calls or whatever form of communication you're using and they're not responding to you. Um Leslie and I always had this saying of like, you know, you, you can't be ghosted if you haven't been asked to the party yet, right? Like you, you got to be able to like actually have been asked to dance, like have a little bit of a conversation with them. What we're going to talk about today and what Tom and I are going to give you guys um, some pointers on is once you've established that connection, once you're in the sales cycle where you've actually either, you know, established some value you have had a conversation, you've exchanged um, back and forth, then they go silent. Then they they ghost you, they do all the things, they, they just sort of disappear off of the earth. How do you remain persistent without being annoyed? 
So they have to be in the conversation with us. It can't be a whole bunch of cold emails and cold calls that have never gone returned. There has to be a little bit of a, a back and forth happening. Let's jump in. Tom, talk to me about some things that we don't want to do when we're trying to get that person back to the table. What's like, I got a list up, but talk to me about like, what's one thing where you're like, absolutely, this is something I cannot ever get behind doing. Yeah, I think what I try to avoid is our general, you know, niceties as you have on number four, right? So like, Saying the words touching base, hope you're doing well, following up, checking in, you know, very vague things like that. To me, that's fluff. And if I see that in my inbox, unless it's from someone that, you know, they're they're hoping I'm doing well because I told them about something like really challenging going on in my life personally, uh, which is very few people that email me, uh, I'm just going to delete. I'm not even going to open it. So if someone's seeing your email and that's like the first line of it, regardless of where you are in the sales cycle, you're already climbing uphill. Um, so I want to just get straight to the point of what we're talking about. And then we're going to get to like, what do we actually do? But I don't want to include any of that. Um, I don't want to, you know, to me, that also makes it seem like I'm being like the the chasey sales rep, you know, and I'm almost like, I think sometimes we can have this this kind of power dynamic in the reverse where we put our buyers on a pedestal and like, oh, I'm just, I'm just your sales rep, just checking in, just just touching base, Megan. Like, hope, hope, hope you're doing well. Like, would love to get a response from you. And, you know, we're not saying that consciously, but subconsciously, we're we're kind of like allowing our prospects to treat us poorly. Like we wouldn't want our friend to treat us or someone else. So um to me, I want to just get straight to the point of like, why am I reaching out? What am I checking in on specifically? What is the next step? What is going on? And how can I actually garner a response to either get closer to a yes or get closer to a no if that's where we are in the deal cycle. Megan, you used to talk to me about like putting yourself on the same rung on the ladder. Tell us about that. It was powerful. Yeah. And I still use that to this day. And honestly, it's something I still tell myself to this day as I interact with with anyone, really. I, I have this visualization of a ladder, right? Like climb up a ladder. That's my impression of climbing up a ladder. And but I but visualize like the rungs, the steps of the ladder, right? And so oftentimes, and I see this a lot, even with you know the CSMs that I I manage or or with AEs or whatever, when they start a conversation with a customer or prospect, they just end up putting themselves on this like bottom rung of the ladder, and they like they're standing there looking up and assuming that the the customer or the prospect are like holier than thou and. They they have more confidence and and all this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's going to ruin your mindset and actually will prevent you from being that persistent person that you're going to need to be down the road. And so instead, think of yourself coming in on that kind of like even playing field. It's going to actually boost your confidence and not I don't and I don't mean confidence like in an egotistical I'm the best type type of way but you you got to have some confidence you got to have like two firm feet on the ground in order to have some of these conversations so visualize that the next time you're having a conversation don't be afraid of them um don't be concerned you're you're not going to like you know upset them i was just sort of half laughing when tom was talking about like all the things not to do and saying like you know following up, touching base, like I always think to myself, like, what's the first thing that I say to myself if someone says, hope you're doing well? My my internal voice is like, 
Really? Do you? Do you really, though? Because I'm pretty sure you just wrote that and didn't even know that you wrote that. Think about that the next time you're sending an email. Think about being on the receiving end of it. How would you, how does that, how does that feel for you? And then go back and start over again. Love. Let's jump into like, what are we including? So when this is, I'll I'll set the stage first. When we're thinking about someone who either booked a call with us or maybe even further, I saw we're about a, we're good split of um, SDR, BDR function and AEs. Like that's the majority of people in the room here. So whether it's they've agreed to a call and they keep kicking the can or they don't show up and they reschedule or they said they're going to move forward and they're buying and then all of a sudden they're not showing back up to the table. Let's talk about a few things that we're going to include in our email. I'll start off, Meg, with your list and then Tom will move to yours. I'll bring up a slide here. Pink. What do you got for us? Yeah. So always start with a question or a statement. Um, I actually prefer... I'll use either or, um, and it dep- it kind of depends on the scenario. But um, again, to to last slide, skip the niceties. Start with questions. Start with something that demands attention. Um, one of the things that I use, and this really goes into number two, attention grabber. Um, this is the concept of of using the I'm confused card. Um, I was just actually having a conversation this morning with a with a a, a person on my team who was having some trouble getting a, a customer to respond to them. And I I gave them the pointer of using the I'm confused card. And what does that mean? So the, the I'm confused is you're starting with I'm confused. You mentioned X and here we are at Y. What's going on? What's happened? What's changed? Right? So that's a combo statement of um, an attention grabber. I'm confused. That's going to get somebody's attention. And then following it up with a question of what's happened, what's changed. The biggest piece of advice I can give anyone when you're doing this is if you're doing it in an email, just, just be short and to the point and state the facts. If there's no need, again, to like include copious amounts of information, um, I, I would start with something that they're going to see really quick, and that's going to get them to pay attention to it. Uh, and usually, that is a some form of a question like, "What happened?" Um, I've also used the statement like, "I fear you may have fallen off the face of the earth." Only half kidding. Hope everything's fine. But we agreed that X. But we agreed that you would get back to me by whatever date. Like, be specific with what it was that you they were supposed to do. So this is a big accountability thing. Uh, and then move on from there. Awesome. Let's look at Tom's and then we'll go back and chat about some questions. Yeah. So um, there's something that I want to say, if I can, Leslie, which is that I think, um, I actually think a lot of this can be handled up front. Yes. As an AE. So I'll talk, I'll, I'll, I'll make a note to these six things really quickly, but If you're finding that you're an AE and this happens to you all the time, uh, it's probably not your prospects. It's probably you. And it's probably something that you're doing or not doing on your discovery calls, right? So you might not be asking some of the really more direct, challenging questions on that call, right? So you might be expecting in your head that they're going to follow up with you and they're going to get you those resources, but 
perhaps you didn't set next steps to get a call on the calendar. Perhaps you didn't pressure test with like a mutual action plan and the timelines. Perhaps you didn't ask about the buying process and who else needs to be involved and who else is impacted by what you're talking about. Or does this need to go to procurement? Does this need security review? Does this need legal review? Right. If all you're talking about is if you're building rapport for 15 minutes, asking some light questions and then saying, hey, I'll send you an email follow up. We'll take it from there. Um, you're going to get a really, really low response rate on that. So um, the best uh, thing that you can do, I think, is more of a prevention than a cure. But alas, if you're already here, here's your cure uh, based on what I've seen. I want to personalize the email based on things that have already been said. So I don't want to say, hey, Megan, uh, checking in. I uh, know we had a call last week. How does next Tuesday work for a call? I haven't heard from you. But I might want to say something like, hey, Megan, you know, you shared on our last call how important it was for you to onboard your new SDRs. Uh, in order to do that by the end of March, you noted that we had to get, you know, X part of the project done uh, before March 1st. We're really coming close on that deadline. Do you like, can we find five minutes to chat later today or tomorrow? Right. Can I, can I bring it to anything specifically that, you know, remind her or him of like that shame, that, that challenge, that pain, that timeline that they already expressed to you? And can I use that as part of this? Right. I'm not creating urgency. I'm using the urgency they've already talked about. Um, so I've kind of talked about that in, in points two or three or four. Um, and then I like to like push them away a little bit. Right. The, the thing that I'm trying to get to is a yes or a no. So if it's a no, that's cool. I'll be, uh, my feelings will be hurt for 30 seconds, but then I'll be glad that I'm not now wasting that time and mental energy and have to forecast with my boss this deal that'll never come in. So I'd say, hey, seems like this might, might have fallen off on the priority list. Is that, is that true? You know, if so, it's all good. You're not going to hurt my feelings, but I just don't want to keep following up unnecessarily with you, right? And I just want to give them an out. I want to give them an out through the sales cycle. And if they're really quick to take it, then cool. Probably wasn't a good fit. There probably wasn't pain or I didn't do a good enough job in the first place. Um, and then as number six says, as time goes on, I'll, I'll get really brief. I might just throw in an emoji or a, or a meme or something like that if I want to be playful or just like one word, question mark. Um, and then after that, I'm just going to give up on the deal. Yeah. Great point. And I love, we're going to, you're foreshadowing on kind of the next piece here too, with like the setting the stage and, and making sure that we're in the right spot. A question that I always like to ask myself every time I book a next step, a call, a, whatever it is, I'm always like, okay, why are they going to show up? And then is it that my head filling that in or is it something they actually said to me? Mm. Let's see. There was a question here that says, um, what do you suggest when a prospect asked you for your availability and then ghosted you from Saul. I try very hard not to roll my eyes in the back of my head and <laughs> yell profanities at the screen. Uh, all, I mean, all joking aside, that happens. Uh, it's annoying. Um, I would, if, if a prospect had asked me for time, they booked the time. First of all, that's fantastic and shows interest and that's an intent. So I'm going to hang on to that little sucker for dear life, right? So that's that definitely there was there was a moment in that person's day where they thought of me <laughs> and they felt the need to talk to me so that I could share information. Let's capture that and make sure that we hang on to it in a way that we keep that momentum going. Um I would I would bet some money that it would be more likely 
that you would, in fact, reschedule that call if you reach back out to them. I think in that scenario, I'd probably shoot them either if I had it a text um, or, or give them a call um, simply because if, if they're asking you for it and then they ghost you, there's got to be there's got to be some reason that they wanted they needed information. So I would I would go with that. Like, hey, you reached out. Seems like you're looking for more information. I'd love to be able to give you time so we don't waste each other's time. Is there a better time that would work for you? Since obviously this didn't. Um, maybe maybe I wouldn't be that passive aggressive about it. Uh, <laughs> but but you get my point. Um, I would hang on to that for dear life though and not give up on it. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. And then I'm seeing in the chat, you know, about like saw, I tried text, call, email, and LinkedIn, um, you know, and if we're trying all these tactics and all these different vehicles, um, they might have been interested a day and then like a week or two later, maybe they already made a decision and something serious had changed. And, um, you know, to me, I think there's something to be said around, okay, how much time and energy am I going to invest in someone that's not going to like give any sort of reciprocation back? Get, take that to your personal lives if you if you choose to as well. But as you, as a salesperson, um, I've only got so much time and energy, right? And so I want to be focusing those on the largest and most you know likely deals to close and the ones that are offering some some give and get there. So if I'm not getting any reciprocation, I hope I've got enough pipeline that I've got other deals that I'm working um, and and can do that. Couldn't agree with you more, literally. And that's also going to make you look desperate too, like. If you're just trying to chase after something, I mean, who the heck knows at the end of the day why people do the things that they do, right? But we have things that we want to focus on that are going to get. Set. However, I, I would try to the person's point in in the Q and A. I would try to get a hold of that person, and then if none of those things happen, Tom, to your point, you know what? If they need you, they're going to come back, right? Okay. There was you got to just let it release it. I want to see um, how many times everyone, I'm going to launch a poll here. There we go. How many times are you following up before you walk away? Is it, you know, one to two, three to five? Are you like infinite? I will find you. You cannot stop me. (laughs) Saul, you're just going to keep going after this person. Um, Anyway, as, as people are filling in, I don't know. Tom, Megan, you want to chime in there? What do you, do you have like a rule of thumb? Gosh, it's so, I don't have a rule of thumb for like, that's like consistent in the sense that everything is so situational. Like it really depends on where I'm at in the sales cycle. It depends if this is a repeat buyer, if this is someone that I, I know, like I'm obviously going to pay more attention and follow up more. If this is something that is not you know, if this isn't a good fit for my company and or there's question marks around, like if it's a good fit, I'm not. I, 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 Depends. They average three times. I think is a good rule of thumb. Make sure that you have you're you're doing it differently, though. We haven't talked about video yet, and I know we're going to at some point. Yeah, but I love video as a way to follow up. Yeah, I'd say I'd say like I'm in the five to seven camp, but that's not five to seven emails, two to three days apart. And I'd be like day one, I'm going to call them. I'm going to leave a voicemail and send an email. Then I'll wait a little bit. Then I might send a bump email. I might try a text. I might try a video. And then after that, like fifth or sixth one, I'm probably out. I'm loving this chat. There's like so many things. And I think that 
It's like if this company and this person has a really good fit for your product and you know you can help them, I mean, it might be an infinite nut. Like we're going to find somebody. And Sean brings up multi-threading. Love it. Great way to tee us up for the this next part of the conversation. I think a lot of times for me personally, I had a hard time like, how do I show up over and over and over again without seeming rude or too pushy or coming off like real super aggressive or salesy? Um, and so I think like you guys, when we chatted about this before, we have some great tips here. I'm going to bring them up and then we can just kind of chat through. Um, I Both of you said like knowing your audience, knowing who you're talking to, their personality. Meg, tell us a little bit about like what's an example of that? Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you brought up the word personality because I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind. Well, really in any part of your life, <laughs> uh, but in, in sales uh, in particular. So knowing your audience and who you're talking to is, I think, probably one of the most overlooked components of sales in general. I, I think people can get really lazy about it and make some pretty big assumptions and then they end up, you know, n- not approaching them correctly. So knowing your audience as it relates to, you know, how you hold them accountable. One thing that I always like to do is when I'm when I'm talking to someone early on, maybe we've just had, you know, our first discovery call. First discovery. I believe discovery happens throughout the entire sales process, but that's a different webinar for a different time. <laughs> uh, the When you've had your first discovery call, um, one of the things I've used in the past that has been helpful is what type of follow-up works best for you. So I actually ask them what type of communication they prefer. And that is really helpful Helpful to, first of all, you're, you're getting into their world. You're, you're showing them that you're willing to, you know, have that sort of back and forth in a way that's comfortable for them. Um, and then, you know, getting them, you can actually use it. I don't, this is going to come out wrong, but use it against them uh, in some capacity down the road when they are ghosting you because you can circle back to it by saying, hey, remember when we talked in the beginning and you mentioned that um, email was going to be the best form of communication for you? Well, look here, I'm in your inbox again and I still haven't received a response. Can you help me out? Is there a different way that we could communicate so we could get to the result? Right. So it's, I guess it's about when, it, when we think about knowing the audience, the personality piece of how they feel, how they communicate, how they talk. Um, are, are they are they more direct? Are they more empathetic? Do they prefer short sentences? Do they want lengthy emails? You know, what is it? Is video a, a big thing for them? Um, sometimes I, al- I also will say, hey, I'm really into sending videos of uh, to check in. And, and so, like, is that something that you feel comfortable with? I'm more than happy um, to bring that up. So knowing your audience, there's so much you can get into in that component that I think people are often afraid to do because they're so rushed to get to like, let me show you value, right? Or let me show you this. Let me show you all the things. Let me vomit up this demo for you, right? Like, let me do all this stuff. When in in reality, getting to know them and building that rapport is going to go a long way and going to make, let's go back to the rung on the ladder, Right it's going to make it 10 times easier to meet them halfway as you continue that conversation as that sales cycle continues. Great point. And I think like, I I mean, I'm a broken record at this point. The managing expectations can solve 90% of our problems, personal, professional, all the things. Like 
setting yourself up for success. And Tom, you were talking about earlier how that setting yourself up for the right questions and and getting in there and making sure that you're asking all the right things ahead of time can help prevent the ghosting. You mentioned asking uncomfortable questions early. Um, Talk to me a little bit about what that feels like, what that sounds like, kind of the position you have to put yourself in. Yeah, I think, you know, the position I want to be in with someone on a call is that I want us to feel like we're on the same side of, of the table, right? I don't want it to feel adversarial. I don't want it to feel like I'm trying to manipulate you and persuade you or whatever, right? And so by doing that, like I try to lower people's guard, uh, you know, as early as I can into the call. So that might start off by just, you know, in a, in a, when I'm setting the preframe for the call, you know, saying, hey, look, at the end of this call, like, you know, this is what I actually say on calls. Say, hey, I, I consider myself a connector. I'm really proud of that. And so by the end of the call, if we think there might be something here, we're probably going to feel that and could talk about the next step. If not, you know, I know a lot of other people that might be able to serve you better. And I'd love to make an intro to you and help you get like value either way. So if you could just tell me kind of how you're feeling, honestly, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I, will, I hope to give you value in some sort of way by the end of this 30 minute call. Right. And so then I get people at the end and they're like, yeah, I like what you do, but I'm really looking for this. Cool. Make an intro. It wasn't going to win that deal anyways. Right. And a lot of people are like, no, I, I like that, that, you know, that earned some trust there. And so I want to do that. If uh, if I think people are evaluating other competitors, I want to ask about that. Where are you in the buying process? Like, are you just starting? Are you at the very end? Have you done 90% of your research? Are you getting bids? Like, what's going to help? What's going to help this, right? If I'm at the end of the call and we've gone through a mutual action plan, you know, I might pressure test that a little bit and say, Leslie, you say that you want to get this thing going by like April 1st. Um, we got a month, we got a lot that we need to get done in a month. Like typically we're going to need this and this and Megan's going to need to get involved and John and Joe and these people. Like this is what it'll typically look like. How does that, like, does that feel aligned with you? Like, do you feel like you can commit to that? You know, and I just want to have that conversation. I find that that'll feel uncomfortable to most salespeople, but I, I talk to a lot of salespeople. I listen to a lot of calls, do a lot of coaching. Most reps are too passive. They're not willing to ha- ask those questions. There's a there's a rare breed of salespeople that, that are maybe losing deals because they're too aggressive. But I think the pendulum is for most of us on the far end where we don't want to disgruntle people. We don't want to be rude. And we can ask a direct question in a really kind way. Like, hey, I, I really, you're telling me this is really important to you, Leslie. I really want to help serve you. But I got to just like, I got to be upfront with you. I feel like, our timeline's a little short here. We're like, we're really going to need to get this going. I'm going to need you to do A, B, or C. Do you think you can do that? Like, I'll, I'll do everything in my power to get this done, but I need you to to do that too. Is that like, are we good there? We meet tomorrow to go through that. And so if I'm coming from a place of kindness, I think I am able to ask that more uncomfortable question. And you know what? If you say, no, I'm not willing to do all that, or no, this is not going to be the right thing, then cool. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be I'm gonna be able to take that. And again, I'm going to use my time working with prospects that are going to be a better fit for me. One thing I'll add to that, um, and it's it's a variation, Tom, of what you just said, but but and I think it's it's really good. So I'm a big believer in the um, in in the use of what I call as assumptive statements or or um, assumptive questions. So I'll, let me explain to you what I mean by that. You're conditioning a prospect, even a customer, early on in a sales cycle, right? Like you have an opportunity to set the stage early on to establish who you are, 
to establish how you communicate, to establish how, what your company does, right? You have a window that is open and that window shuts relatively quickly. So one of the things that I like to do early on with a, with a customer to con- condition them into sort of how this is going to go is I will actually ask a question. So, so, you know, Mary, let's fast forward six months from now and we are in, or maybe not six months, let's fast forward three months from now and we are in contract phase. And I'm assuming, uh, you know, procurement on your end will be involved. Sort of walk me through what I should be aware of from a procurement perspective. Um, when I'm, and I actually will tell them what I'm getting at. I'll say, what I'm actually getting at is I'd love to know when you and I are in like procurement hell, what are the things that we both need to be aware of and can prepare ourselves for right now? So that it's less stressful for both of us when we go there. And what you're doing, and procurement is just an example of one of many different kind of topics that you could fast forward to. Um, but you're doing way more than just sort of getting, like picking up the bed sheets and looking under to see what's underneath there. What you're doing is you're conditioning the the prospect that this is how this is going to go, right? And that's really critical early on in a sales call is to establish that kind of level playing field, as I've mentioned before, um, and that this is, you're going to ask those uncomfortable questions, right? You're going to make those uncomfortable statements. You're going to put them in a position where they actually have to think ahead. And maybe maybe the answer is, I don't know, and that's fine, and I'm okay with that, but I would for sure rather them say, I don't know, than not ask the question at all. Because at least that gives me intel. I might not be dealing with the right person. Um, I'm going to have to do some due diligence on my own, right? Like anything's better than nothing. I agree. And I like, you know, you say start from the beginning. Katie asks how early or Kate, I'm sorry, in the chat. Um, Yeah, I think like the earlier, the better. And Tom brought up some good ways of like that beginning conversation. Just how you set it up, Tom, how you were saying like, this might go well, this might, you know, you might not be interested in this, just let me know. And then Megan's talking about like further down the sales cycle. So if you show up over and over and over again, and they always know that you're going to push a little bit more, they're ready for that whenever the time comes. And then whenever, if they ghost you at that point, but it happens, right? Things come up, people have different priorities. You're in a much better position to ask the hard questions because they know that you're already there asking them the hard questions. Um, Tom brought up mutual action plan and I got a a DM about mutual action plan. Um, Setting up a a calendar, basically. So you're saying, here's the steps that it takes for us to get from point A to point B. I, I think about it like, do you guys work off your calendar? Like if it's on my calendar, it's happening. It's like a anchorman with the teleprompter where he reads every single word on the teleprompter. That's me with my calendar. I don't know if it's showing up like that's what I'm doing right now. So I think about that with our prospects. And like Tom was talking about having this plan and asking them if they can commit to all of these things. If you have an agreed upon plan and you talk about it while you're on the phone with each other, it makes it so much easier to go back like Megan was saying and like, hey, you said this was happening. I'm, I'm confused. I mean, I love a, I love a calendar. Uh, you know, I do. I love a calendar. Uh, but I, I will say one thing, uh, a really good move that I've done in the past that has worked is like, let's say you're ending a call and you're trying to set that mutual action plan and you're going through 
um, next steps and you're settling on dates. And let's say the prospect says to you, yeah, why don't you follow up with me in, you know, early next week or something like that. If you know, as a as a salesperson at your company, if you know that that's probably not realistic for him or her to digest all the information that you just had, don't be afraid to push back and say, you know what? Um, typically, it from what from my past experience, it takes you know a little bit of time for you to get your folks aligned. So instead of setting a meeting, probably that's a little bit too early and we're, we might not make. Let's look at a more realistic date. And I know some people are cringing on here going, God, you're elongating the sales cycle. They said that they were going to, you know, meet early. Why wouldn't you jump on that? I'm not a betting girl, although I am. And in, I would bet you all the money that you'd most likely get that person ghosting you if you put the meeting on the calendar too early, then actually giving them time to digest it and what is a reasonable, a reasonable time frame for them to gather what they need to gather or do what they need to do in order to have the information um, ready for that. Okay. And I, can I like lovingly challenge you on that? You may lovingly challenge me. I don't even call lovingly. You can just challenge. Yeah. She's direct. So I like that's your audience. (laughs) I feel like um, I, I agree with you in some cases. I do think that there it's, it's a little subjective but like if you're doing discovery and you know that this is a if this is a problem that needs to get solved in three months, then yeah, and, and it's a big enterprise deal and we're working on a million dollar project, then yeah, like you are gonna need some time, you're gonna need twenty stakeholders. But if you're selling something a little bit more transactional, a little bit more quick moving, and every if your default as a rep, let's say you meet on a Wednesday, and your default is always same time next week, when in reality, like you could meet the next day and if they have urgency to get this done then there's a compound effect in the positive or the negative of like now i just like accelerated all my deals by one week per call if i only need two calls for a close and like a you know maybe i'm selling something that's a little bit smaller um so if that's you on the line then i would try to shrink the time frame and if you're a big you know if you're selling bigger deals then you want to allow more space because the stakeholders there's a lot more they need to get done when you're not in the room and all that type of stuff so that that would be my one challenge yeah, I I I Love. totally agree, hundred uh, percent. Um, I think it just depends on the size of the customer, where you're at in the sales cycle, and what you feel comfortable doing. Uh, I just I'm always a big believer in not wasting anyone's time. That's yeah. always my biggest thing. Is if if I don't need a meeting to have a meeting about the meeting about the thing that I sent about the meeting, I really would prefer not to. Uh, and people get really nervous about a lo- you know a, a longer sales cycle. A lot of sales leaders are very, you know, look at sales cycles very in depth and how long it takes and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I believe that that is an, is an important measurement, but I get very nervous when you give up the quality of the types of meetings that you're having versus just the quantity of the meetings that you're having and what that takes to close a deal. If anyone has questions, you can stick them in the Q&A section at the bottom of the Slack where all of the nice little, I don't know, buttons, uh, <laughs> where all those buttons are. Um, and let us know. You can also upvote other people's questions in the Q&A section by clicking that nice little thumbs up and we will answer those first. I do want to just quickly touch before we jump into that on 
knowing when to walk away. You know, we asked everyone here and um, actually, let's see where our answers were for the poll. But we asked everyone here where they were. And it was in the I don't know, pretty close. It was in the three to 10 touch range. When do you know when it's just like, OK, Tom, like when do you, when are you like, I'm good. I, I can step aside from this for a little bit. In terms of how many touches? Not even just touches, but just like, when is that feeling for you or that moment for you where you're just like, okay, like I'm going to either put this on this back burner for now or like this isn't a good fit and it's not worth my time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it feels a little bit more subjective. Like, you know, I mentioned like I might have five or so touches over a couple of weeks, um, but it's kind of a feeling like if you can, we had this thing at, at uh, Gong that it, in order to, if you were on a forecast call, and you didn't have both a next step already on the calendar and a very specific, we called it the logo slide, that you could show the specific pain and priorities from that company that was so specific that you could put their logo on it. It wasn't just like, we need more revenue. It was like the details of that company. And if you didn't have those two things, you didn't really have a deal. Mm. And so I would probably try to take a step back objectively at my couple deals I'm getting ghosted on and say like, do I really have something like really, really specific with these people? Or did we just have like a nice chat? And then I haven't heard from them in three weeks. And if I can look at that, hopefully objectively, or maybe a friend or a manager can help like come with another pair of eyes. Then I'll say, okay, I might need to put this one on the back burner. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I might try again later and really focus my time where there's momentum and things are actually happening. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I did Danny in the in the Q&A section. And for everyone here, this is being recorded. Um, you can access all of our previous shows at sellbetter.xyz. You go to on-demand shows. You will also get this emailed to you since you're all here. So you'll see that pop up in your inbox probably tomorrow. Um, Stephen asks if we should stay away from opening phrases like, I hope your week is going well. If you're doing that, how do you feel like you should start a message like how are you opening things up what's an alternative to just jumping into the the meeting or jumping into the meat of your message i would just get right into what it what's it about so like if i was if i was looking for it if i hadn't heard back around uh you know a, a you know a next step call that we were gonna have i would just say hey megan um no, we talked about X as our deck. Like I wouldn't, I just wouldn't have a sentence before what, uh, what am I actually reaching out about? It's like, no, we said that we we're going to talk again on Friday. Haven't heard from you in a week. Um, you mentioned that XYZ was a main priority. Is that something you're still trying to solve? You know, that might be the, the entirety of my message. Megan, I know you chimed in with a couple earlier. Anything, um, anything else you would just jump in? Yeah, I, I would jump in and again, like the direct card of of stating said value or um, even if it was like a very like, I, I guess, as specific as humanly possible. Um, so so let's plug Gong again, uh, because so uh, we use Gong at TestFit. In fact, it was the first thing that I uh, put in place when I started. It was it was a necessity, and one of the things that, um, from from a, a perspective when I'm when I'm looking at calls and I'm I'm going through um, calls is you know how much small talk 
uh, there is, I, I know we're talking, I switched subjects. Now we're talking about like being on a call, but I'm also looking at like the emails and understanding, you know, what's being, obviously what's being tracked and all that kind of stuff. Being direct and making sure that you get to the point and going back into Gong if you need to and finding like a very specific quote or something that they said or whatever. Like I love a searchable transcript on Gong. I will I will oftentimes go in there and literally pull it out and put it into the email in quotation marks. Um, because listen, it's their words, right? Like they did it and talk about an attention grabber. I mean, the fact that I like, if I'm on the receiving end of that email and I'm looking at that and the salesperson had gone in and, and been able to quote back to me what I said during a call, I'm paying attention, right? Like that shows me that there's definitely some, like, there's some there's some interest here there's some pursuit on their part like this this is a different level game so um if you don't use something like gong or whatever and you 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 have a really good note-taking uh capability like take down direct quotes and use them in your follow-up um that will be a fantastic way to get their attention um as you as you go about the sales process Okay, I want to get through a couple more of these real quick. Lois asks, um, you know, maybe they're getting bids and they say that they're going to take the lowest bid, but they don't want to tell you what it is. Is there a way that you handle this, if, especially if you're not typically the cheapest? Lois, been there. <laughs> been there. Yeah, this to me, this goes back to the uncomfortable conversations. Sounds like you're not go. If you don't do anything, it sounds like you're going to put your bid in. You're not going to be the cheapest and you're not going to win the deal anyways, right? So you might as well try something different. I had a job where I was doing all these RFPs and we'd never win because we were the most expensive. So I'd pick up the phone and I'd call whoever sent me that bid or RFP or whatever and try to understand what is the decision criteria, what what is driving that project. And I'd even call out and say, hey, Leslie, I'll be honest with you, I'm happy to send a bid. We're never the cheapest uh, because of XYZ, because of our quality and this and this. Like, you know, is there any opportunity to share why we're different and why that might, why it might be worth considering someone um, that isn't the cheapest to help you, that's actually going to help you achieve your goals? If they say, no, we just want the cheapest, then you just saved yourself an hour. And if you might be able to shape how they're actually viewing that project. And if you pull out, don't into, Yeah. And if you're selling into government, any kind of government organization or anything like that, you, this is, this is your life. Uh, this how this rolls. I I uh, one reason why I I will never sell into government organizations unless I absolutely have to. Um, and, and it is what it is. But it's a, you have to have pride in your product, uh, and you have to have confidence in the value that you bring to organizations. If you as a salesperson don't have those two things, you probably shouldn't be selling um, the product, in my opinion. And so. Let that be something that can help you have those tough conversations when they're looking for the cheapest. All right, you, you, that's totally fair, and I, I understand that. Heads up, we typically don't come in uh, at the cheapest, and there's many reasons why that is. I might not even share them at that point. I might not even go through that. I may just have enough by saying, you know what, like we offer and bring a lot to the table. If this is something that you're interested, I would be more than happy to get on a phone with you, to get on a phone with you and talk through what that looks like. But heads up before we waste each other's time. Typically in the past, we're not, we do not come in at the lowest price point. Yeah. Hugs and kisses, Megan. Hugs and kisses. 
<laughs> Love you lots. I mean, if you're missing the chat, it's also um, all about cheesy gordita crunch. I mean, shit goes right hand in hand with leap day. I mean, that should be a traditional leap day meal. Um, you guys, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for all of your insights and all of this information. You will get the recording, everyone. Tomorrow's show um, is me again. So come hang out with me. We're going to be talking about exploring prospecting sequences and um, how you can, it's kind of a little debate. We're going to have a little heated debate between Jed Marley and Anthony Natoli tomorrow. So come check us out. Also, we are dropping LinkedIn for Megan chat, uh, Megan, Tom and myself in the chat uh, so that you can connect with us. I know there's a couple of people who didn't get questions answered. And I know all three of us would be happy to Uh, ping you back when we get a second so come chat with us and we look forward to seeing you next time again thank you guys so much for joining us today thanks for having you had a blast that's everyone bye